Hello, everyone, and welcome to the JAG Report. I am Jace Pimentel, the Executive Director of the Judicial Action Group, here with our President, Mr. Philip Jureggi. And uh, we have uh, updates for you today on the Nancy Abudu nomination and voting with it's coming up here pretty soon, as well as some news and prayer points for things surrounding the Supreme Court and things that are coming up on the horizon this summer and then later into the fall, as well as introducing a new segment today. We're going to be talking about uh, a tenet of a constitutionalist judge. When we say things like we are contending for uh, constitutional judges to be put on the federal bench, what do we mean? Well, we have uh, a, a list of metrics that we look for when we are advocating for a specific person to be put on the federal bench. And so we want to share some of those with you and talk through them uh, so that you can be uh, apprised and aware of what is it that we're advocating for. So with that, uh, Philip, where are we with the Nancy Abudu uh, nomination? And we forgot one thing. We're going to open in prayer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll go ahead and open us in prayer. Yeah. Lord, yeah. thank you uh, for today. We pray that uh, you would bless this podcast, that you would uh, get the information out that you want to get out and that you would bless all of our federal judges across our land. Amen. 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 So you were asking about a voodoo. So um, same status as last week, everybody. Um, Nancy Abudu <clears throat> was voted well, voted. it was a tie, 11-11, a vote in committee. So she's been essentially voted out of committee, kind of, <laughs> under the procedures. But she can still be voted on by the floor through an extra vote. So uh, that vote has not occurred. Of course, the Senate is not there this week because it's Memorial Day week. And so, uh, but you can still call your senators. Matter of fact, not only can you, please call your senators because this is a nominee that should be stopped. We're not going to, you can watch last week's podcast to get the detail, but um, she basically is threatening our sovereignty by not only wanting to commit judicial activism in American courts, but then when she loses, she ran and filed a shadow report with the United Nations to intervene, which is threatening American sovereignty. So this is a major problem. We can get the votes against her on this issue, guys. So we can get 50 Republicans, which is very achievable, and then Joe Manchin or another Democrat we can stop this nominee, which is not only important to stop the nominee, but then send a message so that downstream with future nominations, the administration, the Senate knows you can only go so far with putting radicals on the bench. They'll be stopped. So that, that's why this is important, Jace. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, well, and we want to tell them where to call. So do you, do you have those states handy? Yes. So it's specific. I mean, call your senators everywhere. But specifically, right. if you live in Utah or South Carolina or Alaska or Maine or West Virginia, those are some of the, the priority states to call your senators and say, hey, we really would like this nominee not to be confirmed uh, for, all, for all the foregoing reasons. The biggest one, uh, I think, in our shared opinion is uh, the fact that she uh, will, will look to uh, international law to enforce a, a, a judgment. That's very inappropriate behavior for a federal judge. And if you guys don't know where your or who your senator is, some people are like that, don't worry about it. Just do an online search for your state, 
U.S. Senate. You're not looking for your state senator in your home state, but your state U.S. Senator, it'll pull up your two U.S. Senators and then just call them and ask them to vote, really demand that they vote against Nancy Abudu. You can also go to our website, Judicial Action Group, and you'll find a memo there where you can get more detail about Nancy Abudu. And if not, just email us info at judicialactiongroup.com and we'll be sure that we get that information to you. Absolutely. Anything else, Jason Abudu? No, no, that's about it. What about uh, what about what's happening right now at the Supreme Court? There's some big stuff uh, coming up on the horizon for June and uh, yes. some things that people need to be aware of so they can be uh, praying about. Yeah. So there's what I'm going to call and what Jace has called a planned attack on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, even the planners of this, whether you want to call it a protest, whatever it is, the planners have said they're going beyond what's constitutional. Um, and so with, with Congress uh, going nuts about January 6th and letting people into the building and then prosecuting them, prosecuting people who weren't in the building, this is the type of thing that ought to be watched. Um, and uh, people are being subpoenaed for the January 6th matter that had nothing, nothing to do with it, who were in town to support President Trump. And so when you see something about the U.S. Supreme Court where they're literally trying to shut the building down, this is something that needs to be dealt with. Um, Jason, I've spent time up there and I'm looking at the map that was provided by the Washington Free Beacon. And Jace, they have, um, they have three points where they're wanting to shut down the roads to prevent access into the building. These are radicals who are upset about um, abortion being taken away through the Supreme Court. But what they would do is pre prevent people from driving into the building at two points, Jace. But then there's a third point further out on A Street. A lot of people may or may not know that staff in the building park in a parking lot down A Street, but they've set up their third sort of choke point right before the entry to that parking lot. So they're trying to prevent people from even coming to work and parking and going in the building and creating a, a very dangerous situation that could spin out of control quickly. So. Jace, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a, an opportunity for some people to do some really crazy things. I'm not really, when you go around the Supreme Court, the Capitol Hill police and the, and the police that are surrounding the Supreme Court, they're heavily armed, they're well-trained, they're vigilant. I was up there even a few weeks ago where some kid left a backpack in the middle of the road and they had a full shutdown to make sure it wasn't something that was a bomb or anything. I mean, they're vigilant. They're on it. All the gateways into the Supreme Court, these roads Phillips talking about, they have these huge metal barriers that come up and block off the street completely. And they have gates. They have everything set up. I even have a really, really good friend that lives right by uh, uh, the, the he shares a parking lot with the Supreme Court on a street that Philip's talking about. And I'm telling you, these places are heavily guarded. Uh, it's easy to maintain. But if you get a lot of people, a lot of really angry, frustrated people that are feeding off of each other and their energy is coming off each other and you pack them into these really tight streets trying to cause obstruction, trying to cause problems. I think it's a huge opportunity for a lot of people to get hurt. I mean, we yeah. see this with, with riots and, and protests, however you want to cat categorize them, all over the country. We've seen it for the last few years. These people show up, and they're very angry, and they're very agitated, and they're all together. And then the police are there trying to 
maintain order, follow orders or whatever, which, you know, people see as yeah. they're the enemy. And they're saying, no, you got to step back. You, you cannot be here. And then they start fighting and it gets aggressive. And then someone throws a first punch and then it escalates into a fight. And then people get arrested. It's, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. And yeah. it's really not good. If you take a, a step back and look at this and say, what are, they, what, are, what are they trying to accomplish? Who do they think the judges are? The judges are not elected representatives that are doing the will of the people. That's who you need to go protest to. And you have a, you have a, a constitutional right to protest those people. Judges are impartial deciders of cases. They're supposed to be, at least. Right. And so if you're organizing a mob to run on the Supreme Court to try and sway these judges to like, like that, you're, you are causing America, you're, you're trying to cause America to, to descend yeah. into mob rule. That's not healthy. That's not it good. Is. Yeah. And JC, the other thing about it, um, we really pray that the justices will not give into it because if they do, they really feed the narrative of the mob, which is that the court is political, right? right. I mean, if you can have a, a bunch of, if you can have a mob change the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, which is supposed to simply decide cases based upon the facts under the law, and yet they change their vote because a couple hundred pro-abortion people are in a mob, that's a bigger problem. Right. It's a bigger problem. And, it, and what would it say about the court? And so, interestingly, I think the justices are onto this because Justice Alito, even before the draft opinion was, was leaked, Jace, you remember, in that draft opinion, I can't remember the exact quote, but the basic idea was Justice Alito was saying, look, you know, we understand people may pitch, he didn't say pitch a fit, but he was talking, people may pitch a fit, people get upset, people are going to get angry that we overrule Roe. But, but even if that were true, we can't consider it and it should play no role and will play no role in how we do our job as judges. We're not to be politicians, right. we're to be judges. And so he's already made that point, Jace. And of course, five judges at justices at that point were in agreement on that principle. I hope that principle is still in the opinion, but more importantly, I hope it's still in the hearts and minds of the justices, really all of them, but especially those five so that they won't give in to these types of threats. I agree, yeah. And I, I think uh, that it has only emboldened them to say, yeah, we're not gonna, that we're, not, we're not devolving into mob yeah. rule here. Just because yeah. people stamp and shake their fists and, and yeah. gather at the Supreme Court, like we're going to do what we were put here to do. And, and, that, and if anything, if the Lord will work anything good through this situation, that's one of the things that I think has been important is that the justices sort of break through this mirage of fear that the mob has tried to put on them. Because once they right. break through the mirage, they realize, oh my gosh, we're just here to do our jobs. They threatened us once, we didn't give in. Let's keep going. Let's keep yeah. being justices. Let's keep doing our jobs without any fear about what people will say, whether they're going to threaten to pack the court, whatever it is, let's do our jobs. They've already marched on our homes. They've already, they've done their best. So that's the good thing that I think is coming through this, that the Lord is using this, Jace, to really, um, to do a work in the hearts of all of us, the justices included. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope so. So yeah, the, the action point there is just to pray over the Supreme Court and the justices as there are uh, groups 
that may be, may be significantly large, planning on showing up to the court and uh, exacerbating this problem. So uh, that's something to keep in mind and keep in prayer. Yeah. Um, other things on the horizon for the Supreme Court, uh, the investigation for uh, the leak is underway. The, the marshal has requested phone records for the law clerks, which is a really big deal. Um, and so that's continuing. And we uh, just pray that justice would be done, that it would restore uh, and <laughs> mitigate at the least yeah. the, the integrity of the Supreme Court, that that's, that's yeah, not appropriate. You can't unring this bell, but it's very important that they send a message. Don't don't ring this bell again, guys. Right. And so it's, it's sad. I mean, I, I I don't I don't want anyone to be punished from my own heart, Jace. Honestly, I, I don't. But it needs to happen. There needs to be some amount of consequence for this. Or what does it do? It sends the message: Hey, you can get away with it. No one's going to stop you. We're not going to subpoena your phone records. We're not going to do any of that. So just go ahead. And then it it really destroys the institution of the court even further. So. That's I, uh, I totally that investigation agree. go forward and that it that it succeed. Yes, absolutely. And, and Jace, that's really is on Chief Justice Roberts. I mean, he has to hire a team. But if he just gives them a task and says, hey, take a look, that's not good enough. It needs to be find out what happened. Get back to me with the answer of who this was. The chief really needs to take responsibility for this. Yeah, I agree. Uh yeah, that's pending. That's coming up. I think that's going to yield good results. I really do. I yeah. think it's going to, I think it's going to, to be succeed. Yeah. To be clear, I'm not, I'm not, when I say the chief needs to take responsibility, I don't mean for the leak, although it's possible right. it was anybody on the court, but I mean for the investigation being serious, that's on the chief justice to really make sure that that happens. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, other big things coming up for the Supreme court is the coach Kennedy case and the Dobbs case, the Dobbs case, of course, being, the uh, the case that the, the leak was about where it could potentially overrule Roe and Casey and then give that decision back to the people to, to, to legislate on the matter. And uh, also the Coach Kennedy case, really big deal. It's it's not so much what uh, JAG focuses on. It's more religious liberty based, but it's a really big deal. A, a, a football coach uh, was going to the middle of the field after football games and praying and the school fired him for it. And the it went all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, and the court's going to have to decide, do, do, uh, do, do public school coaches and teachers get the right, get the, uh, the, the privilege to uh, have their faith, even when they're a, a teacher or a coach? And it's, it's, a, it's a very, very important case, very important for religious liberty. That's also coming up, praying for that. Uh, and uh, and Jason, yeah. it really, and uh, just the, a note on that, though. You know, these prayer cases, they do go to the heart of our national relationship with God, which comes before even issues like life. And um, so, you know, at JAG, our mission is judicial renewal. It's not, we're not really a pro-life ministry. We are pro-life. Jason and I are both pro-life, but we, we understand that because the life issue has been taken away from the people by the court, um, the same is true also with our national relationship with God. That was breached at the Supreme Court. And so restoring that is very important, both legally, constitutionally, but then also just spiritually in terms of our, our national relationship with God, how we interact with him, how he interacts with us, justice. It's very important that we get that right. And, and Jace, I would say, you know, just as with the reversal of Roe, it's, that's a massive transaction between us and God and God back to us. The same is true 
in these cases dealing with our national relationship with God and the breach that we've been under. We need to restore that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's a huge part of our, our national DNA. Yeah. Uh, of the five revolutions in, his, in the history of the world, maybe the two most significant were the American and the French. And they produced massively different results. And the key component that differentiated the two was that the French Revolution was a revolution uh, about the freedom from religion. It was all about man. It was about what the mob wants. And it descended into anarchy with a dictator, Napoleon, taking control in the end. And it birthed ideas such as cultural Marxism, which pollute the world still to this day. The American Revolution, on the other hand, was a revolution unto the freedom of religion, unto God. And this idea that man deserves uh, a, a government that we can build, that will protect our liberties and our rights that don't come from man. They don't come from the yeah. government, but they come from God. And it ended with a, an amazing leader, President Washington, who was not a dictator, who volitionally gave up control at the end of his second term and uh, has, has given massive benefits to the world still to this day. And so the, right. what Philip touches on is the national relationship with God. It's not an immaterial issue or an issue that just belongs to um to Christians or Christian nationalists or whatever. It's something the entire country should be cognizant of and to remember that the ideas that birthed our country and led to us being one of the greatest influences on the world is this idea that God is sovereign and everything needs to be uh, done in consideration of him and our rights come from him. And so uh, I think that I think it's very important. So it's not, yeah, the prayer cases are not something to just brush along the side and say, well, maybe they can pray, maybe they can't. It's very important. It, it, it's gotten probably two to three percent of the attention versus the Dobbs case, and the Dobbs case should have massive, massive attention. But the, the prayer case is big too, again, because of our national relationship with God. Um, but we want to talk, Jace, now about the nature and limits of judicial power. So what Jason and I work on, what we work on at Judicial Action Group, guys, our mission, if you want to know what's our mission, we can say it in two words. It is judicial renewal. What is that? Judicial renewal is the restoration of the judiciary to its proper constitutional role of deciding cases rather than legislating from the bench. And so a large part of what we work on are judicial nominations as we as we seek judicial nominees that square with the Constitution. Of course, we have some principles that we see in the Constitution that define what it what a judge is and what they should do. And so we want to explain one of these to you today. It's probably the first one and the fundamental one. But as we do, I want to ask you a question. You can type in the comments if you want. This will be a little test here. The question is, what is the role? Of the judiciary. What is the role of the judiciary? Um, Jace, a lot of the time when I ask this question, people say uh, to interpret the law. And I say, no, that's wrong. That's not the role of the judiciary. Guess what? I caught myself with about a week ago saying that. Really? I heard it so. Yeah, I said it myself. <laughs> you talk about it all thought, the time. It's surprising. I said it and I thought, whoa, 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 reel that back. And I corrected it. 
but it just goes to show how much how much it's in our lexicon even with lawyers you know we just we just say it and i think i've heard it and corrected it but in anyway i said it i'm ashamed that i did but i corrected it on the record but but the role of the court is not to interpret the law the role of the court and we'll talk about interpretation and how that does come in at times sneak peek we don't have an interpreter right now on this call do we no, because I'm speaking English, you're listening in English. So that's why we don't need an interpreter. And we'll, we'll talk about how that applies to the judicial role. But the role of the court, it's not defined by Jace or me, or even Justice Breyer, or even Justice Clarence Thomas. It's defined by the document, the text of the Constitution. Um, Article one of the Constitution lays out the powers of the legislative branch, that's Congress. Article two, the powers of the executive branch, that's the president and agencies, the cabinet, and then um, Article 3 lays out the powers of the courts. So what does Article 3 say? Does it answer this question about the role of the court? Well, it does. It says that the role of the court is to, quote, decide cases, dot, 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 and controversies. To decide cases and controversies. And so, Jace, you want to talk a little bit about what that means in a, in a culture, in a community. What does it mean to decide cases? And how is that different? From the legislative power. Well, yeah, it's it's very different. Fundamentally, the legislative power is uh, the the operative part of our of our democracy. When people say we have to protect our democracy, protect our democracy, our democracy under attack. Well, what is democracy? It's the people being the rulers. It's we the people get to decide which laws we are collectively bound by. Uh, to enforce a social contract for the health of the society, for the good of our communities. And when somebody breaches the, those laws, whether it's criminal or civil against another person, it's the judiciary that comes in and takes the law that the people have decided on and applies it to the situation. Exactly. It's so and simple. I, it's so simple that when yeah. you explain it, it almost is like, <laughs> these guys are insulting my intelligence. They're yeah, telling me this is so basic, but exactly. it's, it's very important. It, I like to say, Jace, it's how we prevent gunfights in the street. Yeah, um, we don't, exactly we don't, right. we don't settle yeah. disputes with guns or fistfights, at least we shouldn't. Um, that's what courts are there for. So if we move to some new island somewhere and we were going to set up a government, we would think about, okay, how are we going to do this? This is what the founders, this is what every, everyone has dealt with that sets up a nation. How are we going to do this? Well, we decided we're going to have Article 1 that decides the, what the law is. They're going to make the rules. Article 2 is going to enforce them. Article 3 is going to decide controversies or cases or lawsuits. So Jason and I live next door to each other. We're arguing about whose who's, um, lawnmower it is. Jay says it's his. I say, what do we do? Are we going to have a gunfight? No. We talk about it. Still can't resolve it. We bring somebody else into the discussion. We still can't resolve it. We get lawyers. Finally, if we can't decide it, we go to a court. We go to the government, and the government has set up a branch to decide a dispute, a case, a controversy. That's what courts are for. They're not there to change the law, to make the biggest grand pronouncements and changes in social policy, in marriage policy, in religious freedom, in immigration, all these things. That's not the role of the court. The role of the court is to decide cases. So how do they do that? The first thing they do is they decide what the facts are in a case. What happened? They bring witnesses in. Article one can't do this. Congress doesn't have dispute deciding authority where they bring people in. That's what courts are for. They file a case, they bring in witnesses, 
They listen. What are the facts? What happened? Who's believable? Then they don't just decide who do I like and who should win based on my own view of justice. Right, Jace? That's not what judges are there for. Right. They say, okay, what did the lawmakers tell me? What laws did they pass that apply to these facts that can tell me who wins and loses this lawsuit? So they determine the facts, then they apply the law made by others, they apply the law to the facts, and that yields a result, a winner and a loser in a lawsuit. They're not there to, to make grand pronouncements and change the direction of the country. They're there to decide who wins and who loses. Somebody is going to either be awarded money, someone may go to prison. This is what courts are for, not to make policies. So the problem we've gotten ourselves into over the last five, six decades is courts have been legislating from the bench. You've heard right. that term used, legislating from the bench. They don't have legislative power. That is in Article One, Section 1 of the Constitution, which says, here's the quote, and guys, by the way, this is the very first provision in the Constitution. It may be the most important line in the entire Constitution. If not, it's up there. But this is Article One, Section 1. Our Constitution begins with this language. All legislative power herein granted shall be vested in a Congress. All legislative power, that's the rulemaking, shall be vested in Congress. That means if all is in Congress, then none is in the courts. So when courts purport to legislate from the bench, they're usurping legislative power, and they're not just acting unconstitutional, they are anti-constitutional. And that's where we've been. The good news is, Jace, that we see the court returning back to their proper role. We see it all the time. They may take two steps forward, one back, but there's amazing progress being made on that front. Yeah, there are. And there's, you know, a lot of people in the country that uh, would probably be angry about everything we're saying right now, but they shouldn't be. They should be so thankful that we have a, a government in a country that says, hey, we, nobody, no unelected rulers are going to make decisions for you, or at yeah. least part of the text they shouldn't. Instead, if you want to, if you want to move uh, the country forward in a way that you think it should go, that's right. Put people in office that will do it. Vote for that's it. Right. Petition for it. Start movements. Move forward. And I think where people get frustrated is there are people, uh, mainly. I'm, I'm just going to say mainly on the left. That's mainly where I see it. There's people that are just so sure that they know what's right and what's good for our country and that everybody else is a Neanderthal or they are, or they're, they're confused by uh, some higher power or they're just, they're, they're unintelligent or uneducated and they don't know better. So we need yeah. to make decisions for them. And so they say, well, we need to move fast. We got to move, like we got to move this ball as quick as possible. If we need to pack the court, Let's pack the court. If we need to get rid of the filibuster, we get rid of the filibuster. I, there was a, a representative in the House the other day. I saw a video. He was saying this blatantly and openly talking about gun control. And it's important to remember that you're not the only people in the country. There's a lot of people that live here, yeah. a lot of people that have very different <laughs> perspectives and, and needs for where they live. And the, the federal yes. government should not be under mob rule. There's even a reason we don't have a pure democracy. We have a representative democracy because pure democracy 
It's just tyranny by the majority. And, and the folks who would say, well, we want the court making these, these decisions, what they're really right. saying, what they're really saying is we want a judicial oligarchy. An okay. oligarchy is a government by the few. A judicial oligarchy is a government by a few judges or a few lawyers. So you could literally have the country run. And it has been in some ways on social policy, has been run by as few as five lawyers who are not elected to rule us. But that's how it's been in these major social policy areas, guys. And so Jason and I aren't trying to force our view or our favorite social policies on America. We would like America to decide those. Now, Jace, we may win some and we may lose some, but that's America. That's what a, that's what a constitutional republic is. So that's what we're for. If, if we exactly. lose some issues, it's tough, but that's, that's how it is in a constitutional republic. But we shouldn't be living under a judicial oligarchy, which is what we've been. So that, yeah. But that's being, that's being corrected. Maybe one other thought, Jason, then I'll close this in prayer. Yeah, I just want to, one other thought, I want to just bring it back to what we were talking about. Even though I just mentioned the left uh, to paint a picture, it's not a partisan thing. Yeah. It's any, any judge that sees their spot on the bench to advance a policy, whether it's a conservative policy or a leftist policy or anything yeah, in between, good. to do it outside of the law. That is no bueno. That's not what we're about. That's not good. And it's something we will actively fight yeah. against. And so this is we wanted to take today to do uh, of the of the few things you talked about to introduce this yeah. this uh, tenet of a constitutional judge as someone who understands well the nature and limitations of our judicial power. We hope yeah. it's been helpful. And if there's other questions you guys have, please throw them in the comments. We'll try and get to them. That's good. That's good. And Jace, as you mentioned that, it reminded me too, that when, a, when decisions come down from the Supreme Court in particular, um, sometimes people will look at, at the result of that ruling, what it, what it results in in terms of policy, and then they'll say who voted where, and then make a decision about where those people stood. That, that's an okay way to view the judiciary if you want the judiciary to be a political body. Yeah. But what if the policy that was made by others is not a good policy, but the justices are looking at it saying, I don't like this policy, but it, but it is constitutional, and so I can't change it. Many times, folks, that's what's happening, and so we need to make sure that we have the right mindset moving forward, that we, we may not always like the result of a Supreme Court ruling. The real question is, is it constitutional? Is it based on the text of the laws that they're applying, right? So, well, let's pray. Uh, for the justices with that in mind. So, Father, we do pray for our justices, every one of them, every one of them. We pray for Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Clarence Thomas, Justice Stephen Breyer, Justice Samuel Alito, Ju Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Justice Elena Kagan, Justice Neil Gorsuch, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and Justice Amy Coney Barrett. In these serious times, Lord, we pray that you would send your holy angels to minister to them, protect them, from the mob, protect them from the threats, protect them from fear. We pray that they would draw near to you, and we pray that that um, that they would um, that they would bring the judiciary back to its proper role of deciding cases. That they would be like that prodigal son who's been in a far country, but they've decided we're going to go back to our father's house. We're going to go back to the noble role we've been given under the Constitution, which is to put on a robe and decide cases to not, to not legislate from the bench. Lord, thank you for our justices. We bless them, and we speak peace over the U.S. Supreme Court. Jace, anything you want to pray or add? 
No, no, just solemn affirmation. Amen. Good. Well, guys, as, as we do say at the end, feel free to support JAG. We would ask for your support. We're a, we're a nonprofit and uh, your support is helpful. That's how we pay the bills. So many of right. you support us. Thank you very much. And, um, and do go to Judicial Action Group. Sign up for our alert so that we can keep you posted. Jace, anything else? Just like, subscribe, leave your thoughts in the comments, and we'll, uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. You guys have a great weekend. Bye. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.